0: I want to welcome all of our campuses to the fifth week of our series entitled Fearless. Come on, let's just welcome all of our campuses man, Baton Rouge, the Biloxi, those in Atlanta area as well. Man, we're excited that you are with us. We are in a six-part series. I'll be finishing up next week, and we're looking at Paul's letter called First Thessalonians. It's to the Thessalonican church. Again, in Acts chapter 17, we we read that Paul was there for three weeks, and he planted this church, and it was a growing, vibrant church, and yet he was in Corinth, and he wrote this letter because he had some concerns. Number one, he had concerns because there was great persecution and opposition against this church, and some of them were, well, they were hesitating in their faith. They were getting weakened in their faith, and Paul encouraged them to stay strong in their faith. Paul was also encouraging them to, listen, to stay strong in their faith because some of them had believed some of the false teachers had said they had missed the second coming of Christ. Man, they were really concerned about this. Did we miss the second coming? What about our loved ones? Paul wrote 1 Thessalonians to clear up any confusion in the minds of this early church that they had not missed the return of Christ. What's interesting is, is that Paul wrote 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians just weeks apart. He wrote 2 Thessalonians actually to address the very same thing. So here's what I'm going to do. If you weren't here last week, we began in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And I looked at all of these end time themes that Paul is addressing in this book. But in 2 Thessalonians, he actually addresses and expands our understanding and that infant church's understanding about the end times, the Antichrist, what happens in the tribulation, all of these things. So I want to say just a couple things for those of you that are guests, those of you that are new here at any of our campuses, those that are joining us online, I'm going to teach them stuff today. This may be absolutely new to you. This may be for those of you that are young Christians, man, what is he talking about? It's in the Bible. I'm going to teach you a little bit about end times. Pastor, do you teach on the end times? No, I actually teach the Bible and where it addresses the end times, we address the end times. I've talked through the book of Revelation. I've taught through the book of Daniel and you guys are in for a treat. How many you all excited about Paul's teaching on the end times and the coming of Christ? I'm going to say another thing by one way of qualification, then we're going to jump in today's message. Here's what's so exciting. Paul, this message series is called Fearless because whenever Jesus comes back, I'm ready. How about you? We can live confident. We can live bold. We can live filled with faith. Let me tell you, we do not believe in capitulating to culture or trying to escape. Well, we're going to just go hide out in the woods until the coming of the Lord. No, we're going to penetrate culture. We're going to make an impact. Whatever God has called you, wherever God has placed you, God has called you to be salt and light in a broken world and make a difference for Christ until he returns. How many are grateful for God's call upon our lives? If you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open up to 2 Thessalonians. Again, Paul writes this a few weeks after 1 Thessalonians. It's a letter. He's in Corinth, and he writes this to this young church that he plants. Today, I want to talk to you about three questions that Paul is answering about the end times. Again, if you weren't here last week, I want to strongly encourage all of our locations. Go back. Listen to the message because I'm building upon that. Three questions I want to answer today that Paul is answering to this early church, the church at Thessalonica. Number one, how does the day of the Lord relate to the end times and to us today? Paul is addressing that. There's this whole thing about the day of the Lord. The false teachers were telling them that they had missed the day of the Lord. Paul was addressing and clearing up any confusion. Question, how does the day of the Lord relate to the end times and to us today? There is coming a day when the whole world system is going to change. I personally believe that we are seeing glimpses of that even now. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. Paul's writing to this young church. Here's what he says. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either, number one, by spirit. I'm going to talk about the spirit that was impacting them, not the Holy Spirit, but the spirit of the Antichrist that Paul said says was impacting them today, which I'm going to explain that today. I began this series four weeks ago, and I said, is the Antichrist a person or is it a world system influenced by an evil spirit? I'm going to answer that today. Paul says, he says, I do not want you to be soon shaken in mind or trouble, either by spirit or by word, by a false teacher or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ, the day of the Lord, had come. Paul's speaking to the Thessalonians about the day of Christ or the day of the Lord. It's interesting in the Bible, you hear this concept of the day of the Lord. Paul references it throughout actually the epistles, the day of the Lord. Can you guys say that with me on the count of three? One, two, three, the day of the Lord. Now, I want you to think about this just for a moment. I think this will help you understand what Paul's talking about, the day of the Lord. When you converse with somebody and you ask somebody, hey, Watch this. What day were you born on? And you'd say, hey man, when were you born? What day were you born on? And you say, well, I, I, was, I, I was born on December 3rd, 1968. Now notice, I said what day was I born on, but the truth is I was actually born at 11.58 at night. When you talk about a day, watch this, during every 24-hour day, there is a daytime dimension and there's also a what? Say it, a a nighttime dimension. And yet, we don't talk about, hey, what night were you born on? What do we say? What, what? Say it. Day. Were you born on? But with that day, there is a daytime dimension and there is a, say it, a nighttime And yet it includes 24 hours. And in a similar way, when Paul is talking about the day of the Lord, I believe there is a daytime dimension and there is also a nighttime dimension. We live currently, and I'm going to show you my chart in a moment, we live currently in what I would consider, and what I believe the Bible teaches, the daytime dimension of the day of the Lord. But there is coming a nighttime. We live in an age of grace. We live in an opportunity to receive Christ, to put our faith in Christ. We live in the daytime of the day of the Lord. But there is coming a nighttime, a day of judgment. Now, if you weren't here last week, I'll show it one more time. We have this chart I put together. I think it helps people. I, I like pictorial learning. And so if you can pull that up for me, Pastor Steve, where are we currently right now? And I'm going to get back into the scripture. I think this will help you to understand what Paul is teaching here. We live currently in what's called the, the church age. When did the church age begin? It began in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, watch this, the church age began. began. So we are currently right here. What is the next big event on the calendar? I believe the Bible teaches what's called a rapture. I taught about that last week. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 to 18. Now, I believe that the church is taken out of the earth, watch this, We then go into a literal seven-day, what's called the marriage supper of the Lamb. What's happening on the earth is the earth enters into the tribulation and then the great tribulation. A literal seven-year period. At the end of that is the second coming of Christ where the church comes back. I believe that Jesus sets up a literal kingdom in Jerusalem, rules and reigns for a thousand years, and then the great white throne judgment, and then a new heaven and a new earth. Now, why is that so important? I believe, watch this, when there's a day... There's a daytime dimension and there is a, say it, a nighttime. We currently live in the daytime dimension of the day of the Lord, but there's coming a nighttime. Pastor Steve, when does the nighttime, when does the day of judgment begin? I believe when the tribulation begins. When does the nighttime conclude at the second coming of Christ? Now, let me share with you, I think, a little bit of an understanding. This is so important. Isaiah chapter 61 This is what's called a prophetic verse in the Old Testament speaking of the ministry of Jesus. Watch both the daytime and the nighttime mentioned in this verse. Please stay with me. Lean in on this. Isaiah the prophet, 700 years before Christ. Here's what he says. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, speaking of Jesus, in the the ministry of Jesus. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good tidings to the poor... He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the daytime and the day of what? Say it, the day of vengeance of our God, the nighttime. There's a daytime dimension and there's a nighttime. Now, somebody asked me one time, Pastor Steve, what is the first message that Jesus ever preached? Well, I believe it's clear. In Luke's gospel, Luke's gospel, Jesus grew up in the city of Nazareth. He goes back to his hometown... He goes into a synagogue like a good Jew would do. And the Bible says he actually opens the scroll of Isaiah and he begins to read. This is the inauguration of the ministry of Jesus. Remember what I said? That a day, the day of the Lord has both a daytime dimension and a nighttime. Isaiah talking about the ministry of Jesus. That Jesus watches came to bring the daytime, but there's also the nighttime. Notice what Jesus reads in Luke chapter 4. This is gonna make sense to some of you right here. Here it is. Look what Jesus said. First message he ever preached. He's in the synagogue where he grew up. Watch this. Luke chapter 4. The Spirit of the Lord. This is Jesus now speaking. He's referencing Isaiah 700 years before this, speaking of Christ. This moment. That moment right there. And he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Notice what he leaves off in the day of vengeance of our God. Why? In that moment, Jesus when it was inaugurating, watch this, the daytime dimension of the day of the Lord. What was he saying? The door is open. Whosoever wants to come, whosoever shall believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. The door is open. The good news. He was, he was proclaiming the good news of Jesus. He was proclaiming that to, to, to today is the day of salvation. There's coming a nighttime dimension, my friends. There's coming a dark time. But today is the day of grace. Today is the day where we can share with our loved ones. The, 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 the doors on the ark are still open. Jesus inaugurated that first, the daytime That whoever believes upon Christ, that we trust Christ as our Savior, that we're saved from our sins. And we're transformed and we're given the gift of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus was declaring the acceptable year of the Lord. But when he comes back a second time, it's nighttime. I want you to pull that chart up one more time. Pastor Steve, when does that happen? We are in the, everybody say, daytime. When does the nighttime begin? It begins, I believe, at the rapture as we enter into what's called the the tribulation, the great tribulation. And when does the the nighttime end? At the second coming of Christ. God is loving, but he's also just. There is an age of justice coming. Pastor Steve, what draws someone to Christ? I believe what draws somebody to Christ, Paul says it's the goodness of God that draws a man or a woman to repentance. And yet there's also another dimension to it. There's an accountability to our creator. Noah Webster, one of the most brilliant men that ever lived, he was a colossal brain. He was an intellect. Matter of fact, we we all know Noah Webster because of the Webster's what? Here's what he said. He said, one of the most profound thoughts that ever crossed his mind. This is one of the founders of our nation, one of the brilliant men. Here's what he said. He said, one of the most powerful thoughts that ever crossed my mind is that my life is personally accountable to my creator. Question, do you live with a daily awareness that your life is accountable to a creator? We live in an age of grace, but there's coming a day of accountability. Uh, there's coming a day where every single person, every, every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall confess that Christ is Lord. And what have you done with your gifts and your talents and your abilities? What have you done with your God-given opportunities? There's a daytime, but a nighttime is coming. Paul was telling this young church They've not missed the day of the Lord. They, 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 they've not missed the, the second coming of Christ. They are currently in the daytime dimension. Preach the gospel to all of your friends, he says. Share Christ, stand strong, number two. What is the second question that Paul was dealing with? What happens during what I believe the Bible is teaching, the tribulation? I'm just going verse by verse, Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3-6. to six. Again, he wrote this about three or four weeks after the first letter. He's in Corinth. He's writing to this young church that the planet. We read about it in Acts chapter 17. Here's what Paul says. Let no one deceive you by any means for that day. For that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is God. Or that is worship. So that he sits as God in the temple of God. Showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? You see, false teachers had come into the church and they were lying to these young believers. He said, do you guys not remember? I I, I taught you these things. And that's why, hence the letter. The first one. And now the second letter. He says, "Do, do you guys not remember? I taught you these things. I told you. And now you know what is restraining? He talks about a restraining force that he may be revealed in his own time. Number one, again, pull that chart up one more time. What, there are three things that Paul says that has to happen, watch this, before ultimately Christ comes to the earth. There are three things that actually take place. Number one, he says there is a falling away. Number two, he says that the man of sin or the Antichrist is revealed. Number three, he says that the Antichrist goes into the temple of God, declaring himself to be God. The temple in downtown Jerusalem. Daniel, the book of Daniel, calls that the abomination of desolation. I've taught about that in Revelation and in the book of Daniel. All right, let's talk about number one. Paul says, Paul says that day will not come unless there's a great falling away. Let's talk about that just for a moment. A falling away. The word falling away in English is actually from the root word in the Greek, uh, apostasia. What is the English word that sounds very similar to that? Does anybody know? Just say it out loud. Say it. Apostasy. Paul says, he says that the day will not come unless the apostasy happens first. What does the word apostasy mean, Pastor Steve? It means to defect from the truth. A defection from the truth. We can look at around the world today. We we can look around the world today that there is what I would consider a defection from the truth. Again, you guys can read about there's this whole move among particularly young people called deconstructionism, where they're deconstructing their faith. What are they doing? They're defecting from the truth because of hurt, because of disappointment. Let me tell you something. Disappointment does not make God's word true. God's word is true whether you're disappointed or not. And what I found is, listen to me closely. What I found is the further you defect from the truth, the more that you actually believe your feelings. Let me just say this again. The further you move away from truth, the more that you will actually believe that your feelings are truth. And you begin to define your life and reality by what you feel rather than by what God's word says. I am so grateful that I am not what I feel, but I am what God's word says. How many of y'all are grateful that God's word, he's the one that defines our reality? And Paul said, he says, there's a defection from truth. There's a moving away from truth. You can see it in our culture now. You can see it in individual lives. And the further that a culture moves away from truth, they define reality by what they feel. So therefore, you can be whatever you want at any given moment based upon what you feel. That's not true. Paul says one of the signs that will happen before the coming of Christ is a defection from the truth. I'll say it again. The further and this is important for every campus. The further that your life removes, moves away, and defects from the truth, you begin to believe that you are based upon what you feel. You are not what you feel. Let me tell you. You feel one thing one day. It changes the next. Does that change who you are? We are what God's word says we are. We are a new creation in Christ, washed with the blood of Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit. We have another destination. I'm are all grateful for the truth of God's word. We don't live by what we feel. Hey, let me say this. Feelings are a gift from God. They come, they go. But thank God we don't live by them. Now, Paul says that he introduces this man of sin, which is another name for the Antichrist. Pastor Steve, so what are you saying here? What is your picture? What do you believe the Bible's teaching? I believe that actually the Bible teaches two parallel tracks happen before the coming of Christ. This is so important. Number one, there's a falling away, but the Bible also teaches about a great end time revival and in gathering of souls. Is that in the Bible? It's Matthew chapter 13. Look what the Bible says. Two things are happening. What do I believe? Pastor, G, what does Church of the King believe about the end times? I believe two things happen simultaneously on parallel tracks. Number 1, there's a defection from truth. People believe what they feel rather than what God's word says. And number 2, look what the Bible says. The harvest is at the end of the what? Say it. The Some of your Bibles say, "The harvest is at the end of the world." The harvest, there's a great end time harvest, and the harvesters are the angels. Pastor, what does this mean? Here's what it means. I believe the Bible is clear that there is, watch this, before that day comes, there's number one, a defection. You know what a defector is? When somebody switches allegiance. A defector is someone, watch this, there's a defection, there's a moving away from truth, but there's also a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the end times. There's a great ingathering of souls, and there's a great, watch this, a move of God. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you what there's not. So listen, this is very important. So in other words, there's a defection and there's an outpouring. There's actually no lukewarm ground. Isn't that interesting? You can see that now. You guys remember in the United States, we used to get extra credit for being a Christian? That's a good man. Good Christian man. That's not cool anymore in some places. You actually demerits. Question: Are you going to serve Christ if you get demerits for that? How about our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan? You think they get extra? You're a Christian. Stand them up, give them a award. Good man. Good Christian man. You think in Iran, they stand people up and they get a good, an award for being a good Christian? No, 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 let me tell you. Question, do you serve Christ? Let me tell you. Are you gonna be on fire for Jesus whether you get an award or extra credit in a culture? Now, in other words, are you gonna be part of an end time outpouring of the spirit or are you gonna be part of the defection from truth? Hey man, I'm part of this crowd. How about you guys? I wanna be part of the Holy Spirit outpouring. I wanna believe for my neighbors to get saved, for my, my loved ones. I, I wanna believe for the outpouring of the spirit. The Antichrist is the antithesis, the opposite of Christ. Paul talks about, number one, there's a falling away. Number two, there's a revealing of the man of sin. Look what it says. This revealing of this man of sin. The antithesis of Christ. The Antichrist. Look at verse four. And he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Pull that chart up. Again, I don't have time to go into this. I taught all through the book of Daniel. You can go back and go online, download the book of Revelation. I believe the Bible teaches that when the rapture takes place, here's what happens. It begins the tribulation period. The Antichrist originally, initially, is a man of peace. He brokers a deal. He brokers a deal for Israel. There is what's called the third construction of the temple. By the way, the first time that the Jewish temple in Jerusalem was destroyed, 586 B.C. Rebuilt? 787 7 AD, 70 AD, destroyed by the Romans. There are plans right now. In, you can Google the Temple Institute in Jerusalem. They have plans right now for a third temple. That's going to be rebuilt at some point. I believe halfway through the tribulation, the Antichrist walks in and he, listen, he goes into the temple, the third temple, and he declares himself to be God. He sits in the temple of God. That's what Paul says. He sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. The problem is he's not God. Let me tell you something. Don't, let me, don't pretend like you're God. There's a big difference between God, the creator, and everything else created. <clears throat> so so Paul, Paul, says, Paul says that this is what the Antichrist does. He deceives the world. Question, Pastor Steve, is the Antichrist a person or is it a world system and is a spirit? I believe it's both. Pastor Steve, is the Antichrist alive today? I don't know if he's alive today, but I tell you what is alive. It's the spirit of the Antichrist. What is the spirit of the Antichrist? The spirit of the Antichrist is all that opposes Christ. Matter of fact, you can talk about God in our culture. You guys know you can talk about God. You can be on a religion dialogue show. Let's talk about God. What is your view of God? All of a sudden, you mention Jesus Christ. Uh, don't bring him up. Why? That's a dividing line. Because it's anti-what? Everybody say it. Christ. There's no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. You can see it in the arts and entertainment. You can see it in every part of There's a spirit of the Antichrist. Look at verse 6. You know what is restraining. What is restraining? Paul talks about this restraining power. What is restraining the full manifestation of the Antichrist in the earth? There's only, let me tell you, it's so clear. What is, in other words, my my brother and I, we we shared a room growing up as kids and Of course, we get in fights and we run into our room. And so and so you try to run into the room and lock the door, right? The problem is sometimes you get in the room before you can lock the door. And so you're on one side of the door. They're on the other side of the door. And so you are restraining that door. From Are, are y'all with me? What is restraining the enemy? Let me tell you what's restraining the full manifestation of evil right now. In the, it's the church of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, and the name of Christ. That's what's restraining it. Listen, if anybody doesn't like you for being a, a, a born-again Christian, you ought to just tell them. Let me just tell you something, man. You ought to love me. The whole world would be judged. And f- let me tell you something, if it weren't for the church. It's the church that's salt and light. We are to call to God, by God to penetrate culture. What does salt do? It penetrates, it preserves, and it purifies. What does light do? It exposes. Question, are you penetrating? God's called you into the business world. What? To penetrate culture. God's called you in the academic world to do what? To penetrate. In the athletic to to penetrate. Don't capitulate to culture. Don't run from culture. Penetrate culture. Restrain evil in the earth. Man, that's what what God's called you to be. That's what God's called us to be the church. But can you imagine? Pull the chart up. Can you imagine what happens when the church is gone? When everybody does whatever they want to do. And there's no preaching of the gospel. There's no preachers. There's no word of God. There's no anything resembling Christ. Can you imagine that culture? Boom, the church is gone. Paul says that the church, filled with the Spirit, is restraining evil in the earth. (sighs) Pastor, what do we know about the antichrist? I'm just going verse by verse. Look at verse 7. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of. It. I know some of you are like, Pastor, this is heavy. I don't like what you're saying. I didn't say it. Paul did. Get mad at him, but he's dead. But this book's alive. I'm nailed grateful the book's alive. Pastor, I don't like your message, and you don't like Paul. I'm just reading the Bible. Maybe we should hear, hear more of this preaching in church. It's in the Bible. I thought God loves. He does love us. That's why he talks about this. I love my son. Don't touch the stove. You think I'm touching my stove because I'm mean? Because I don't want him to get burned. Whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan. With all power, signs, and lying wonders. The whole world gets deceived. And with all unrighteous deception among those who believe. What is deception? Remember what defecting from the truth is. The further you move away from truth, the more you believe your reality is defined by what you feel. That's where our culture is right now. You can be whatever you want based upon what you feel. Whether it's true or not. As for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. He allows them to do it. That they all may be condemned who do not believe the truth, but have pleasure in righteousness. Look at verse 7. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work, it's at work in every culture. The mystery of lawlessness, known as the spirit of the Antichrist. Thank God for the church. Thank God for the preaching of the gospel. Thank God for Christ exalting churches, Bible saturated churches, spirit filled churches, disciple making churches, Great Commission churches. It's the only thing that's keeping this thing back. Look at what's going on right now in our culture. My gosh, guys, it's, it, it's just rapid. It's rapid. The sexualization. Who can bring a kid to a movie today? The perversion in our culture. You know that grieves your heart. Even unsaved people, it grieves your heart. It's like, oh my gosh. because they have a conscience, a moral conscience. It's like, what is going on? Where does it go? That's why we need to preach Christ. That's why we need to make disciples. That's why we need to talk about the truth of God's word. Our whole culture is is, is on an avalanche, slipping into defining reality by what they feel rather than what God says. The whole culture. I have so much to say. There are two kingdoms, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. I'm so grateful that I'm part of the kingdom of light. There's still time. There's still time. 2 Thessalonians. Pastor D, the central verse is here. Stay with me. The central verse is 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation. That's God's heart, to see the world saved. It's not God's heart and desire that any would perish, but all that would come to Christ. It's God's heart for everyone to be saved, for everyone. I believe that it's God's God, Jesus died on the cross for the world, for the whole world, the whole gospel for the whole world. God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the spirit and belief in the truth. What protects our hearts is the spirit of God and the truth of God. Don't defect, don't be a defector to which he called you by the gospel for the attaining of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. What do we need to do? I'm gonna give you three things we'll close. Number one, live in the truth. Pastor Steve, what do I do? Live in the truth. Get this word in your heart. Bathe your mind in the word of God. Start reading your Bible through. I do the life journal. Live in the truth. Live in the truth. Live in the truth. Speak the word. Everybody say, speak the word. Speak the word. Let me tell you, you make a decision, man. I'm going to start reading my Bible. I'm going to stay in the word of God. I'm going to stay in the word of God. I'm going to listen to gospel preaching tapes. I'm going to watch gospel programs. I'm going to hear the word. I'm going to stay in the word. The moment you do that, all the opposition of hell comes against your life. Why is that? Because the enemy knows if he can keep your nose out of the truth, if he can keep your, let me tell you something. Having the Bible. Do you know the American, the average American family has 4.4 Bibles in their home. Let me tell you, sir, I say this respectfully. Having a Bible on your nightstand doesn't change your life. It's having the Bible in your heart that gives you power over deception and the enemy. (laughs) Everybody say live in the truth. That's why it's so important to be in churches that teach and preach the Bible. Hear the word of God. Faith comes by what? Hearing what? Say it, the word of God. By the way, how does perception come? By hearing. Hearing the opinions of man. Live in the truth. Live in the truth. Number two, live in the spirit. Not only is the word of God available to us, but so is the spirit of God. You're a carrier of the presence of God. Jude chapter, there's only one chapter. Jude verse 20 It says this, but you beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, praying in the Spirit, build yourself up, the Word and the Spirit, the Word and the Spirit, we need the Word of God, bathe our mind, we're not defecting from the truth, we're staying, we're locked into truth, we're locked into the Word of God, I don't care what culture says, oh, this is antiquated, this is like not relevant, Jesus says, My words are spirit, they are truth, they are life. It is true. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my what? Say it? Word shall not pass away. I say this so respectfully. I say this in the fear of the Lord. There's denominations that have walked away from the Word of God. And so, well, you know, the Bible is just kind of like Aesop's fables. It's good moral thoughts. No, it's not. It's more than that, it's inspired by God. Holy men of old were moved by the Holy Ghost and wrote the word of God. God inspired, this is God breathed, God saturated. And when you open this book, you uncover the voice of God off of every page and your life is transformed. Live in the truth, live in the spirit. Live in the truth, live in the spirit, live in the truth, live in the spirit. Be filled with the spirit, be filled with the spirit. Look at the book of Acts. They were persecuted for their faith. I read it yesterday. And the apostles, they were filled with the Spirit and they counted their lives worthy to suffer for the name of Christ. Number three, live in community. Live connected to other brothers and sisters in Christ. Stay plugged in to local church. Stay plugged in to small groups. Can I tell you one of the greatest tragedies of COVID? You know what it is? And I'll just say it. It is so disconnected, people. The body of Christ. It's disconnected. Pastor Steve, has COVID accelerated a falling away? I don't know if it's accelerated a falling away, but I'm gonna tell you, People have been disconnected like never before. Been disconnected. I understand legitimate health concerns. And Pastor Steve, you know, we just went, we and then you can't, and they watch it online a little bit, and the next thing they're gone. Where are they? And let me tell you, by the way, If they would go to another church, praise God. uh, The Church of the King is not the only church. Trust me, I'm getting older. My voice is crackling. I'm sure there's young, some cool preacher somewhere. It's not about being in Church of the King. But you need to be under the Word of God. You need to live. Your life needs to be locked under the Word of God. This is where strength comes. This is where life comes. You need to be connected to other brothers and sisters in Christ. You need to be connected. Let me tell you something. Christians that isolate. I want everybody to hear me. Christians that isolate, uh, isolate get picked off by the devil. You get weird. Your hair turns green. Or blue, whatever. I get weird if I get isolated. We need one another. We need the Word of God. We need the body of Christ. I understand health challenges, but let me tell you, it's way past health. It's now about bad habits. It's about bad habits. I see people go, Oh, Pastor, I ain't been to church in two years, but you know what? Every now and then, we can show up at Christmas. You need the Word of God. You need the strength of God's word in your heart, in your mind, in your mouth, in your home, in your family, in your business. We need the word of God. We need the body of Christ. I tell you what, I'm working a lot harder than y'all responded. I just thought I'd share that with y'all. Let me give it this last part. Here it is. Here it is. So here it is, here's Paul, here's what he says. Verse 15, therefore, brethren, here it is. Here it is. You guys ready? This is how you, let me tell you, this is how they thrived then. This is how we thrive now. In any culture, by the way, it's exciting. I'm not part of the defecting group. I'm part of the end time outpouring of the spirit group. I'm part of the Holy Spirit group that's penetrating culture, plundering hell and populating heaven. Listen, here it is. Paul says, his verse 15, therefore, brethren, stand fast. Everybody say, stand fast. Stand fast. Stand fast. Stand fast when it's not popular to be a Christian. Stand fast whether your work says it's cool or not. Stand fast. Let me tell you, it wasn't popular in a 19 and 20 year old kid at Tulane University. It wasn't popular when I got saved. You think I'm going to stand up in philosophy course at Tulane and say, hey, I'm a born again Christian. I believe the Bible's true and literal. That isn't cool, but it doesn't matter. We don't determine... Do we serve Christ whether it's cool or in or out? Whether it's Hollywood or in or out? We stand fast whether our neighborhood likes it or not. Whether our gym likes it or not. Whether our friends like it or not. We're going to, everybody say, stand fast. We're going to stand fast. Whether whether culture says we can preach or not, we're going to preach. Whether the government says we can preach, we're going to preach the Bible. We're going to stand on the Bible. We're going to stand on the Word of God. Lest you think that I've lost, oh, pastor, he's lost his mind. No, no, baby, I lost my mind 33 years ago when I got saved. I got the mind of Christ now. I lost my mind a long time ago. Do you have the mind of Christ? Do you live with an eternal perspective? This thing is happening. This thing's happening. This thing's happening. Life's hap- you do realize life's happening. Pastor, is it the end times? I'll tell you one thing. It's your end times. You got one shot at this. Paul says, stand fast. Everybody say, stand fast. Stand fast in the gospel. Stand fast in the word. Hold the tradition for which you were taught, whether by word or by epistle, with all these things. Keep these things, with all these things in mind. Dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Stand firm. Stand fast, stand firm. Stand fast, stand firm. Whether you get extra credit, that's a good man, good Christian man. What if they don't say that in our culture anymore? Are you still going to serve Jesus? What if they say, that's an affront, because he's, he's one of, by the way, that's what they did to Peter in the garden. Uh, that's what they did to Peter at Caiaphas' house. Are you one of those followers of Jesus? Uh, uh, uh. Whether you get extra credit or demerits, stand fast. Let me tell you, life is, it's, let me tell you, this is not our home, we're going to another place. Look what it says. With all these things, I know this is shaking some people. It should shake you. It's the word of God. Shake us. Shake us into reality to live for Christ. Yes, to enjoy our life, but to make a difference for Christ. But to understand the sobriety of what Paul's saying. Stay strong. Keep a strong grip on the teachings that have been passed to you. So, Pastor Steve, what are you saying? And by the way, next week I finish up the series. We can breathe. I'm not talking about the end times next week. I'm wrapping it up on relationship. The last thing he talks about. Guys, I'm gonna tell you something. Man, I am so concerned as a pal, I'm 52 years old. I've been, I've been a Christian since I was 19 years old. I, 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 I don't know what's gonna happen in the culture. Well, I know what the Bible says it's gonna get darker and darker, but let me tell you what's gonna happen to those that love God. They're gonna get brighter and brighter and, brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. Hey, hey, it's real simple. Which group are you in? Which group are you in? I'm gonna ask everybody to bow their heads. Jesus, I thank you for your presence here. All of our campuses, those that are online, those that are watching. I got one minute. I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads. If you say, Pastor, I'm not sure about my relationship with Christ. I'm not even sure if I die today, I'm ready to stand before God. I want to pray for you. Here's what the Bible says. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I can't save you. Church of the King can't save you. Being a member of a church, that doesn't save you. It's trusting Christ as your Savior. Do you know Jesus? Have you ever surrendered your heart to Christ? Maybe you've walked away and maybe your, your heart's not where it needs to be with God and there needs to be a fresh commitment to Christ. You've lost that place of sweet fellowship and intimacy with Jesus. And today is the day we say, Pastor, I, I want to rededicate my life to Christ. I, I'm just not where I need to be with God. Maybe you've allowed the cares of life, maybe even the last two years would go, but you got distracted, you got busy in your life and you just, you forgot about God your creator and your maker this is a moment do you know christ have you surrendered your heart to christ whoever calls upon the name of the lord shall be saved at the count of three i'm gonna ask for everybody just with a show of hands say pastor pray for me i need jesus i need the blood of christ to wash me to cleanse me and to make me new if that's you one two three quickly hold your hand up high so i can say god bless you sir god bless you anybody else pastor steve pray for me god bless you right there God bless you right there, sir. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you and you as well. Anybody else? Pastor Steve, pray for me. God bless you up top, buddy. Jesus brought you here today, man. He loves you. He cares about you. Is anybody else? Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. Church, let's pray with those that are trusting Jesus right now. Come on, the most important prayer they will ever pray right here. I prayed this prayer October 27, 1987. Let's pray, church, family, with those that are trusting Jesus. Come on, say, dear Jesus, I come to you today, a sinner, in need of a savior. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I let go of my past and I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Say, Jesus, wash me with your blood. Give me a new heart, a new life, a new reason to live. I want you to say this. Say, Jesus, I take my life and I put it in your hands. From this day forward, I belong to you. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit and the word of God taking root deep and the hearts of your people in Jesus name. Wow, what an incredible message. Before we end, we wanna take just a minute to recognize those of you who are making the decision today to give your lives to Jesus. Man, we are celebrating with you as a church family. We believe that this is the best decision you are ever going to make and that, Starting today, your life and your eternity are forever changed. Absolutely, and we are so excited to see what God does in and through your life. Hey, if you have any prayer requests, we would love to partner with you in prayer right now. So please let us know in the chat room. We have people who are trained, ready to pray with you right now. Yes, and one of our pastors would love to follow up with you to talk you through this brand new journey of following Jesus. So you can click the link in the chat room or you can text the word decision to the number 822-822. Well guys, that wraps up our time together. We had an incredible time listening to Pastor Steve and what he had to say this week in the message. So we wanna take the time to say, hey, invite someone to join you next week. Maybe there's someone you know right now who could benefit from the message that Pastor Steve has. We have one more week left in this series and we cannot wait to hear what Pastor Steve has to say. So we'll see you again next week. Have a great day.